Scientists at New York University's Langone Health said Wednesday that minimally genetically edited pig kidney has functioned for more than a month in a human recipient. The recipient, who no longer has brain activity due to a brain tumor, continues to have a heartbeat and is able to breathe through a ventilator. Researchers say that they will monitor the patient for another month and that the progress so far is a huge step for animal-to-human transplants that could alleviate severe organ shortages. This is Pulse Check. I'm Katherine Ellen Foley. The Department of Health and Human Services added 100 uses of artificial intelligence last year, according to a recent agency disclosure. As of fiscal 2023, HHS had 163 uses of AI, up from 50 in the previous year. The FDA, CMS, CDC, and the NIH are among the sub-agencies with the most reported applications of AI. A new study found that more than a fifth of nearly 2,500 teenagers who reported regularly vaping used e-cigarettes to inhale cannabinoid oil, or CBD. Little is known about the impacts of vaping CBD, which is an unregulated substance, and study authors concluded that public health authorities should consider policies to deter the potentially dangerous behavior. And the NYC organization Health and Hospitals plans to close eight school-based health centers pending state approval. Politico healthcare reporter Maya Kaufman explains the shifting focus to expand care through health clinics and the broader challenges facing school-based care in the U.S. Thanks so much for having me. So school is starting back for many students soon, and you've been doing some reporting on the organization Health and Hospitals based in Brooklyn, Queens, and Manhattan. Before we get into it, can you talk about what this organization is and how they've been operating? Yeah. New York City Health and Hospitals is the municipal health system that's city-subsidized, and it's a network of public hospitals and then also outpatient clinics and a network of school-based health centers up until now. But your reporting was the first to show that a lot of these centers are starting to close. Can you tell us why that is? So Health and Hospitals has, for a number of years now, been moving away from this school-based model, and their final eight centers are due to close at the end of this month pending state approval. And those are centers that are located in public schools in Brooklyn, Queens, and Manhattan. And those healthcare workers are going to be shifted to standalone clinics. So they say that it's not necessarily a reduction in services, but the in-school centers were seeing really low volumes, basically an average daily number of visits in the single digits. So they felt that it made more sense for them to invest those resources in their own clinics and close the school facilities. Got it. Do you think this will indicate a larger trend in health systems moving away from in-school settings? I do think that there's an interesting tension here because there's been a push by interest groups to try and increase healthcare offerings in schools since the pandemic because of the various health and mental health issues that students have been facing and research that shows that the availability of health services right in schools where students already are has been really beneficial, but they need to have the proper financial structure 
infrastructure to actually be sustainable. A lot of these are in public schools and serving under-resourced communities, so they're dependent on Medicaid budgets. And in New York, the reimbursement for the school-based health centers offering these variety of health services just isn't necessarily sustainable, and that'll depend state by state. But, you know, if the Medicaid program isn't in a place where it can keep these centers afloat, then it's hard for the hospitals that sponsor them to keep them open. I mean, what does this mean in terms of the kind of care that students in schools will have access to? Are schools and and other providers working to have an alternative plan for students to access mental health care? Students will always have that school nurse option, assuming that there are vacancies there. You know, there's widespread healthcare workforce shortages, but those are pretty limited services. Can't necessarily get the same level of screening or a diagnosis and prescriptions and the, the kinds of services, the more robust services that you could get from an in-school clinic. So students will have to shift to these brick and mortar standalone clinics that, at least in New York City's case, the hospital system says these are pretty nearby the school, so it shouldn't be that much of a hassle for students to access them, but that's not going to be the case everywhere. So it definitely could compromise access to care if we're seeing more in-school clinics closing. So I think you mentioned that these centers would close at the end of the month pending state approval of that. Is there a chance that the state would not approve these health centers closing? And what other health industry leaders are addressing care or access to care in a lot of these communities? How else are they doing that? We are seeing a push by the governor of New York, Kathy Hochul, to expand access to school-based mental health centers specifically, so focusing on mental health rather than the broader spectrum of services that these other clinics provided. So there will be expanded access to mental health counseling and services. While this is also taking place, there is a possibility that other hospitals or healthcare organizations that sponsor in-school clinics could take over and decide to take the reins from health and hospitals. Uh, One of the big health systems in New York City, NYU Langone, is a big sponsor of in-school clinics and has really invested in that model. But it's not necessarily replaceable when these in-school clinics leave. In New York City, there might be a clinic down the block. But if you're living in a more suburban or rural community, it's a different story. Well, thank you so much for sharing your reporting with us, Maya. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. And that's our show. Our music is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Afra Abdullah is our producer. Annie Reese is our senior producer. Our healthcare team editors are Eli Reyes, Dan Goldberg, Barbara Van Tyne, Beth Belton, and Sean Zeller. I'm Catherine Ellen Foley. Subscribe and follow Pulse Check for a new episode every day. And subscribe to our newsletters where you can read this reporting. Pulse, Future Pulse, and Prescription Pulse. Thanks for listening. <laughs>